0: Good, good morning, everyone, or afternoon, whenever you guys will see this. But um, we're back. Um, for those of you that have never seen it, I'm Omar, and with me is Jackson, uh, my good friend. Jackson, you have any words to say uh, from this uh, kind of chaotic bowl season we've just had? Yeah.
1: Um, wow, the ACC sucks. Uh, Ohio State actually is the real deal. And hats off to Oklahoma. man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'd have to say, I mean, there's a lot in the group of five, uh, you know, my chosen expertise as in the, the Conference USA did not have a great bowl season, winless, I think 0-6, um, it was a big bowl season for them, they had many bowls, the American were pretty rough as well, I think they, they went 1-5, their only win coming with uh, Memphis against FAU at a Conference USA, and otherwise, uh, it was just it was just an interesting bowl season, San Jose State, the darlings of uh, the country got blown out in the Arizona Bowl, and uh, yeah, I was about to say, I would like to forget <laughs> That was rough. It was very rough. I, I was embarrassed, but congratulations to the Ball State Cardinals for probably the biggest bowl win in their history. Uh, it's a program on the rise under Mike New. But that's not what, what we came to talk to you about. We came to talk to you about the uh, Heisman Trophy, uh, both the results that already came out and the ceremony that's going to happen tomorrow night. Uh, and so our finalists that we have here, well, first, let's go after the voting. Uh, I know, Jackson, you have the, the top 10 or the 10 through 5, uh, if you will. Uh, and can you just like mention those off really quick and we can discuss those.
1: Right. So if you're not already familiar with how it works, uh, basically everyone has voted. So there's nothing that's been decided since I think Christmas Eve up until now. Uh, we already know the results or somebody already knows the results, probably ESPN graphics department. Um, but we do know the fifth through 10th. Uh, so I'll go ahead and start off with fifth. Najee Harris, well-deserved running back out of Alabama, uh, if it had continued, it wouldn't have hurt himself uh, with the Rose Bowl, with how well he did there. Uh, Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, probably Iowa State's first consensus All American in their history. Uh, Justin Fields, maybe going a little bit off the name there from last year's performance, but fair enough. He did have a good year, going to go high in the first round, probably. Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Uh, You know, if you're familiar, if you follow kind of close or not very closely, but casually like Power Five football, maybe you've heard the name Zach Wilson. You don't know much about him. Just an electric player, drawing a lot of comparisons to Patrick Mahomes in the NFL world. Uh, Just a a great guy, extends the play. Uh, He had a phenomenal year over there with that only loss to Coastal Carolina. And finally, Ian Book. Quarterback out of Notre Dame, who I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with, and Kyle Pitts, who had a phenomenal year at tight end for Florida.
0: Yeah, and so I, I, I mostly don't have many uh, misgivings with the rankings. If if we're up to me, I think um, you should switch Wilson with Fields because Wilson played had a much bigger body of work, and the opponents weren't as elite. He had a couple bowl teams. I mean, he had UTSA. He had, he played against Houston, of course, Coastal Carolina. Maybe if he beats Coastal Carolina leads him on that game-winning drive, he gets higher in the rankings. Uh, I like I like Pitts at 10. It's great to see Pitts uh, at a tight end even in the rankings. They're first since Ken McAfee uh, in 1977, who came in third with a slash line of 54 catches, 797 yards and six touchdowns. I like Brees Hall where he's at. Thought he had a great year. Would have loved to see him be a finalist for Iowa State because that's something that the program hasn't really had. I don't think they've had a... A guy. Oh, actually, the last guy that got votes for um, Iowa State was Troy Davis, great back in, in the mid-90s who had over 2,000 yards, uh, I think, in 96. Um, forgot to do research there on that one. Uh, who else in there? And, I, I mean, I don't really have many misgivings. I, I mean, Ian Book, that's a bit of a brand name one. I respect the heck out of Ian Book. Uh, great player. I just don't think the stats were there. And, and he had a couple of hiccups. Notre Dame had a couple of hiccups, like, in game one against uh, – Duke, when they kind of slipped up against a Duke team team that would go two and nine. Uh, Louisville, uh, that team went four and seven. Notre Dame only beat them 12 to seven. So I have some misgivings there. And I mean, if you're going to give book, uh, so I think my revised uh, 10 through five would be this. It would be, um, I'd go, I'd like Pitts at actually, I'll go 10. I think 10, I'd either go Jarrett Patterson or uh, Malik Willis out of Liberty, especially after Malik Willis just absolutely like went off in a, the Cure Bowl and he, he was just as electric I think as, as Zach Wilson so I'd go Malik Willis or Jarrett Patterson I can't decide who I'd put where so I'd put him at 10 uh, nine Kyle Pitts for sure I'd slide down Justin Fields at eight because of the small body of work if we're being honest and then after that I'd go Zach Wilson Brees Hall and then Najee Harris so I mean that, that's where I'm at what, what about you Jackson? Um, for me, I agree with five and six
1: from the, the actual Heisman results totally. I think Harris probably had a better year than Hall, especially as a pass catcher. I'd probably put him at five and Brees Hall keep at six. I would put Zach Wilson at seven. I think he had a phenomenal year at BYU. I think he, he really made a name for himself and deservedly so. Uh, after that, I know I'm a little bit biased here. Kyle Pitts had a, a once in a generation for a tight end season and the first final, the first Biltnikoff uh, finalist as a tight end. He just had a great year. Uh, after that, I would put Ian Book. Uh, I would keep him at nine, I guess. And then, I, I, honestly, Justin Fields, two toughest regular season games were Northwestern and Indiana. Yet I think if I remember right, a combined five interceptions between those, I would knock him off the list. I would put Jared Patterson in there at 10 because he also had kind of a smaller body of work. He didn't really go off until a couple of games in. But man, he, he deservedly, I think, should be should have been on that list, much more so than Justin Fields, in my opinion, for this year.
0: Yeah, I mean. Like a lot of things in college football, the uh, sort of disconnects or the hypocrisy goes both ways where, I mean, a player's a small body of work and they get dinged for it. But that didn't happen with Justin Fields. And it sort of happened with uh, Jarrett Patterson. He had a, a really generational game. I mean, Actually, I shouldn't say generational because he had Melvin Gordon rush for 400, uh, Samaj P. rush for 400 in the span of two weeks um, in 2014. But still a 400-yard rusher. There's only been four guys, I think, in a FBS that have ever ran for 400 yards in a game and especially against a good Kent State team that can put up points on the board. Uh, you know, I, I think that's deserving, that's, that's deserving really to say the least. But uh, I, think, I think the Heisman mostly got it right. We'll see um, come the ceremony tomorrow if uh, most of America thinks they got it right. So uh, let's hop into these finalists um, and just the history and other stats between them. Uh, Jackson, you can start off um, with, uh, you know, whoever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and start off with the current uh, betting favorite. And I think probably the favorite for both of us to win the Heisman, uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, He had 105 receptions for 1,600-plus yards, 20 touchdowns, and a a 15-and-a-half. Everyone knows you're going to throw the ball to Devontae Smith, and he still had a 15-yard average uh, catching the ball. So just an insane year. Really, the only argument I think you could make against him is that he's a slam dunk Billitnikov, but is he really like the best player in all of college football? I'll give you a little context in the Billitnikov. So, the last time that a Billitnikov award winner had this many receptions was 2014. So, it's been a while. I think 2010 was the year before or the year before that that this had happened. And then only twice since 2010 has he had. Uh, Bill Nikoff Award winner has had this many touchdowns. So, and this, remember, this is in a shortened season. So, we're going off of an even smaller body of work, and he's beating out guys that have won, you know, for the past decade that have had more games to do this and against lesser opponents. So, he really has just taken this to a next level. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's very deserving. I would not be surprised, and I'd be, I'd be thrilled for Smith if he did win. And uh, is, there, is there anything more 2020 than a non-quarterback or running back winning the Heisman? It's just a fitting into what was a, a strange but
0: great college football season. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, he'd be the first receiver since uh, Desmond Howard back in 91 to win it. Who And Howard had uh, really, I think, for that time, and even now, if you will, a really generational year as he had 62 catches, seems a bit low, 985 yards, but 19 touchdowns for a Michigan team. Uh, just, I think Bo Schembeck just retired, but a, a great Michigan team that I think went to the Rose Bowl, but got slammed by Washington, but 19 touchdowns receiving. That's great even today. Uh, and I think that's actually more than Devonte Smith has this year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken before or before the Rose Bowl. And then some recent, or I'm just going to go to the line some notable receiver, uh, receivers who have, a uh, finished high, uh, in 2003, you had Larry Fitzgerald, who I think got robbed, um against uh, Jason White as Jason White played for Oklahoma, a team that uh, would win or went to the national title game. Yeah, they went to the national title game. So it was sort of like the best court, the quarterback of the best team that year. Fitzgerald had 92 catches for 1,672 yards and 22 touchdowns. I don't know how he didn't win that. The only thing that I can see is him being on on the second best Big East team in the country because the Big East, as we know, uh, is currently the American, wasn't the best conference, especially after Miami left. Uh, After that, another notable one is Amari Cooper. Back in 2014 who had 124 catches 1727 yards and 16 touchdowns coming in third again i think that's a generational year but marcus mariota again best quarterback on would seem to be the best team there that year uh again Dee westbrook more recent one in 2016 came in fourth had 80 catches so he touched the ball a bit less but 17 touchdowns and 1524 yards for interestingly enough an oklahoma team that wasn't in the national title race after two early season losses to houston and Ohio State so I mean that's an interesting thing there that that uh, Westbrook went fourth there and then historically uh, another receiver to win it Tim Brown back in 87 who didn't do so much receiving only had about 34 or so catches but had 1900 all-purpose yards and returned three kicks for touchdowns and just did it all for I mean Notre Dame team and people love Notre Dame as we saw with, with Ian Book in the voting this year and then a couple more receivers going back further or not really further. I'm, I'm kind of out of order here, you know, but uh, that's just how I found these notes. But David Palmer, another receiver for Alabama kind of do it all guy like Tim Brown back in 93 finished fourth. I think didn't write down, down the finish Thought I could remember it, but uh, he was in the voting there. And even way back in history, another guy that I think got robbed uh, Tulsa in, in 1965, Howard Twilley who had 134 catches 17, 1779 yards in 10 games but he did not win the Heisman. He lost to Mike Garrett, a running back at a USC. It seems so long ago that the Heisman was a running back award, especially a USC, a USC running back award. And then Jack Snow back in 64 with Notre Dame's to return, uh, where they rose to the polls in Eric Parsegan's first year. Jack Snow had 60 catches for 1,114 yards and nine touchdowns for the Fighting Irish. So there's a little bit of history there for the receivers. Kind of uncharted territory, you see.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a year for a receiver to have a generational year and win the Heisman, it would be this year just because everything's been so unusual. And um, we'll, we'll get into it. The statistically best quarterback by far did not finish well. So that that certainly helped Smith case uh, for sure.
0: Yeah, and so um, if, if you will, Jackson, can, uh, can we go to the next uh, next candidate? And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go over our thoughts too on him or
1: yeah absolutely um I'll go ahead and go with uh we'll skip over Mac Jones real quick cover Kyle Trask uh he had 4,125 yards 43 touchdowns and eight interceptions uh before that horrendous Cotton Bowl performance um uh so I think Kyle Trask's biggest knock was uh the regular season losses for Florida right because they had that battle on the Texas A&M They should have won if Malik Davis just holds on to the ball. They had that really bad LSU loss that just looked sloppy, even though Kyle Trask didn't really have much to do with that. But, of course, he's the leader of the team. The team does bad. He gets knocked. Uh, There have been Heisman winners with three regular season losses. Most recent, Lamar Jackson. Before that, RG3. Tim Tebow a lot of people think are just kind of forget that, you know, they Tim Tebow won 2006 and 2008, the national championships. That middle year, 2007, when they lost in the Outback pulled to Michigan, if I remember right, was uh, was when he won the Heisman. He had three regular season losses. And Ricky Williams, Tim Brown, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, four others before that, before the 80s, all had regular season losses. So there isn't that much of a history with – uh with Heisman winners getting knocked because of their team's losses, but it seems to be the the stereotype this year. Um, Now remember, uh, before the Cotton Bowl, all of these were voted. We've talked about that before. So I think he would definitely know if we had seen that three interception Oklahoma performance before. But there is a chance with that a little bit with the history of Florida quarterbacks that have won or end up in the finalists, Uh, The oldest, Steve Spurrier, this was just really funny looking at these stats. 2,012 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions in 10 games. Doesn't sound great. He had a game-winning kick in a huge game versus Auburn. That was kind of his Heisman moment. Wasn't even throwing the ball. Uh, Danny Werfel, over 3,600 yards, 39 touchdowns, 13 uh, interceptions, one regular season loss. Uh, versus Florida State in that regular season finale. Then uh, in two thousand one, Florida had a finalist Rex Grossman uh, for, our, excuse me, three thousand eight hundred ninety six yards, thirty four touchdowns, seventeen interceptions. He lost to Eric Couch, who had nineteen passing touchdowns and eighteen rushing touchdowns. Uh, a lot of people in, in Florida fan base think uh, Grossman got ripped off in two thousand one. The common thought. Uh, Tim Tebow. Of course, in 2007, 30, over 3,200 yards, 32 touchdowns and six interceptions, had a great year, just uh, couldn't get it done in the bowl game or go to the BCS.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, as you see, like, a rich history of uh, Florida quarterbacks here, but, I mean, I do agree, Jackson, the regular season losses were the knock, especially, um, I think the thing with Tebow is, like, people have never seen his, uh, or with Lamar Jackson start off, people have never seen a season as, like, transcendent as that, as electrified, especially, like, You look at his early, his uh, Heisman moments, he had multiple you can consider. Uh, You know, the noon game against Florida State, where Florida State got destroyed 63 to 20 by that Louisville team. You have that game-winning drive against Virginia, uh, going toe-to-toe with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he had tons of Heisman moments, same with Tim Tebow. With Kyle Strauss, you kind of like don't really have like as much as, I guess, a Heisman moment as you have like consistency. I think like his Heisman moment, I think, would be uh, probably the Georgia game. Uh, just that performance but otherwise like the the losses against lsu hurt for sure i mean if florida makes that kick maybe uh we have some revisionist history here but um i, I think trask goes falls short and i think i think he i think he takes second in my eyes because uh i'll take him over mac jones uh for sure which uh i guess is a good segue into mac jones uh jackson so uh, let's, let's hear our thoughts about mac jones
1: yeah um he and uh Over 3,700 yards, 3,739, 32 touchdowns and four interceptions. So uh, less interceptions, about 11 less touchdowns. And my impression of Mac Jones is that, you know, this has been a knock on Tua the past couple games uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick told him on the sideline, there's a difference between Alabama Open and NFL Open. Mac Jones has seen a whole nother level of Alabama open. Like he's got Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. Yeah, if you, I don't even want to know if he had had Waddle this year, <laughs> like I mean, he is just uh, he has had a great year, but he's been uh, everyone's been open, like he hasn't had to fit it in that many tight windows. And yeah, he's had the occasional like just dime putting in perfectly but a lot of these 32 touchdowns are from yak or from just guys being wide open. And you can make the same argument for Kyle Trask. I think Florida's thrown to like 15 different receivers this year. So there's a little bit, uh, well, a little bit more depth, but he's passed the ball a little bit more around uh, than Mac Jones. But that's my, that's my knock on the why. I'd be kind of bothered if Mac Jones won, because his receivers have done a lot of work for him. You put him, with kind of an average receiving group, I don't know that he has this year. But I I don't think he has the kind of year he has.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Like I think for me, this is a case where um, on a great team you have a quarterback who uh, is helped by great skill guys, and that's not a knock on Mac Jones, but when you have skill guys that have had such great years, like Najee Harris running for over twenty touchdowns, and Devontae Smith having the year that he had, and uh, I remember you sent me a tweet with uh, about Mac Jones's highest moment being a wide open, uh, shallow route across the middle against LSU. And I think that kind of sums up uh, the situation, like you said, with Alabama open and NFL open. Because, I mean, the skill guys are just so amazing there. And compared to, uh, I guess, a guy like Trask or, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, for that matter. Um, I mean, who, who all, all he has is like a ETN. I mean, not much in the receiving court, even though there's good receivers. There's nothing like, you know, national, no nationally prominent receivers, uh, no great... Um, NFL talent or no I shouldn't there probably are great NFL talents but no I guess superstar NFL talents uh, like slam dunks but a little bit of history for um, Alabama quarterbacks in the Heisman race it's only been like a more recent phenomenon as you had Tua come in second in 2018 and or was it no 2019 my mistake actually at yeah, 2018 yeah sorry geez <laughs> and then uh, in 2013 you had A.J. McCarron come in second but in the past was kind of barren as Bear Bryant system even though that he had great teams it wasn't really like conducive to quarterbacks. You had Pat Trammell come fifth in 1961, who instead of going to the NFL, went to medical school, but tragically died of testicular cancer is something I found out. A little bit of a somber note. But uh, 1983, you had Walter Lewis. Interestingly, Interestingly enough, the first year that Bear Bryant was gone and Walter Lewis had 1,991 passing yards, 338 rushing yards, 14 passing touchdowns, 15 picks, interestingly enough, and five rushing touchdowns. Uh, so people love dual threat quarterbacks at that time. They're like shooting stars back in the day. So a guy like Walter Lewis, that I mean, a stat line like that allowed him to come in ninth in 83. And then you got Jay Barker, who was the last quarterbacking quarterback for Alabama to get high from votes until uh, McCarron in 2013. And in that year, Barker really had um, not so great stats. He had 1,996 yards, 14 touchdowns, and five picks on a 12-1 and Alabama team that won the Citrus Bowl. So it was more like uh, that was the previous year they – what they won the national championship, I believe, against uh, Miami in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, actually, no, they won, they went to the Gator Bowl in uh, 1993, so it was '92. So Barker, Barker had that credibility from the 1992 championship season, I believe, and he just had a, a nice year. But it's amazing if you told us today that a quarterback with 14 touchdowns would be coming fifth in the Heisman, um, you know, we'd look at you strange. So that there's a little bit of history there, but not much, just kind of shows about, I guess, like the culture of Alabama with a position players, not really been a quarterback-driven program, like say Florida, um, as you've mentioned, Jackson.
1: Right. I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Mac Jones has had a statistically best career for Alabama quarterback. Uh, I, think, I think probably beating Tua out as far as this point in the season or through this many games, especially if you take Tua as uh, only SEC opponents. But uh, I just don't see it. Like, it's just, you know, like we talked about. These guys have been wide open. Uh, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, all of them have helped them out. I don't think he's the best player. If Matt Jones does somehow win, and I, I, neither of us think he will, if he somehow does, I wouldn't be shocked if the storyline was just the feel-good story of, you know, early on in his time in Alabama, he did have, I think, two DUIs really gotten his life together, done it, you know, uh, and good for him. Like, you know, that's awesome. But if he does somehow win, that's a great feel good story of going from struggling with all of that to what he is now. So that may be the storyline, but I think you see that even.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I I, I agree. Uh, I didn't I didn't think about the field story thing for that for sure. But uh, again, like as we've seen, like Jason White and 03, the Heisman's typically been best quarterback, or lately at least, best quarterback on the best team. But uh, again, we haven't in those years we haven't really had um transcendent talents or uh, once in a generation seasons like uh, Devontae Smith. So which brings us to our last uh, Heisman candidate, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I guess we'll change it up a bit and go with a bit of history and. They've had some great quarterbacks, uh, for those of you that may be older and watching or listening to this, uh, Woodrow Dantzler, who, uh, was a 2,000, 1,000 guy at quarterback, never got Heisman votes, uh, clipboard Jesus for, um, Charlie Whitehurst for my NFL, for our NFL fans. He uh, was a solid quarterback, but not really anything Heisman Heisman worthy. Uh, Deshaun Watson was the first, uh, in really recent memory to uh, get Heisman votes at quarterback for Clemson as he had, uh. He went third in 2015 and and second in 2016, and people still think Deshaun Watson got screwed both years. And I mean, the way that man carried the team, I mean, not really carried, but just did so well, um, you know, with great stats. I mean, you you can say that. Uh, And then also in 1978, I just looked up uh, Steve Fuller, uh, who went sixth in 1978 as a quarterback for Clemson. And then Steve Fuller, um, notably uh, Deshaun Watson wore his number four for like the last few years. I'm not sure if you saw the patch. Um, that said, Fuller on, on his Clemson jersey, but it the uniform tidbit. Uh, so, kind of a bearing quarterback history for Clemson as they are a bit of a late blooming, uh, sorry, late blooming blue chip program uh, or blue blood, I mean. Uh, so, uh, Jackson, let's hear your thoughts on uh, Trevor Lawrence's case. It's a bit strange because he missed two games, I think.
1: Right, right. I remember we did a podcast, I think about a month and a half ago, and I said that if Trevor Lawrence somehow wins the Heisman, it's going to be a first-ever Heisman moment where he didn't even play. I think you would have to go back to that Notre Dame game where he was out. It was a very close game on the road to Notre Dame. You know, everyone strummed the field, all that. And then Trevor Lawrence goes in the ACC championship and just it embarrasses Notre Dame in that ACC championship game. And if if he wins, I think that he's the least likely out of all of these to win just because he hasn't had – if he does win – going to be because of that and because of the name trevor lawrence which we've known since that national title game um, in 2018 but man like the difference for clemson between uh that first game against notre dame and then that second one where they just obliterate them that's really the only difference and man like if if he does end up winning this somehow uh that'll probably be why
0: yeah, um, I mean, I, I'd agree that the second ACC, ACC championship was uh, his uh, Heisman moment. And I mean, I think that brings to a further point where a guy like Trevor can have a great year with not really many quote unquote Heisman moments. I think that's a great point towards the lack of parity in the ACC. And it's not just a recent phenomenon. This sort, this sort of thing existed when uh, Florida State was making their initial run in the ACC when they only lost, I think, five conference games. In the 90s, before they're, before they're sort of down, I mean, not even downfall, before they started actually like coming down to earth, really. Uh, so, I mean, that's like a traditional phenomenon of the ACC where it's just, it's just not much parody. It's more of a basketball conference for sure. And I don't think people realize that. Uh, but that's, that's a discussion for another time. But again, I think people are saying that Trevor Lawrence should win it as a lifetime achievement award. Now, I mean, not in a year when there's like other deserving guys, would I, would I say that. I think another guy, oddly enough, that had the Lifetime Achievement Award argument was uh, Keenan Reynolds for Navy, who finished fifth, who uh, had the all, who I think still has all-time touchdowns record for, um, I mean, just rushing and receiving combined, interestingly, a quarterback. I mean, they said that he should be higher in the Heisman because of, as sort of a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. But also, luckily for that year, uh, Navy had a strong year, almost made New Year's six. And uh, Keaton Reynolds had some big games, especially against Memphis. Or I mean, the, I think they were ranked seventh in the – or not even seventh, sorry. They were ranked top 15 in the playoff rankings when Navy beat them. But uh, I'm, I'm just not one for the Lifetime Achievement Award um, sort of argument for the Heisman. Maybe in a year that's barren, but not in a year like this.
1: Right, no, I totally agree. there, there are Kyle Trask and Devontae Smith who have both had Heisman-level seasons at least for most of the year. You shouldn't give it to someone for a lifetime achievement just because there's not a clear cut like guy that's well above the rest like there was with Joe Burrow last year. It's just it's not fair to any other other candidates. Um, So, yeah, I mean, one question I do want to pose to you, though, uh, the Heisman is for the best player in college football. Who do you think is the most valuable player to their team? Because that's that's two different questions.
0: I think we're talking um, most valuable player. You have to look at like schemes and uh, in terms of like value, they come from like sort of like one-dimensional schemes, I think. Um, and like, if you look at the top 10, like, you know, one by one, I mean, like you have guys that have had like good supporting cast, like Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler, a pro ready tight end for Iowa State, a great defense at Iowa State as well. Uh, Najee Harris, of course, is Devontae Smith and and uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones is Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, I think uh, valuable wise, I think Trevor Lawrence because even though, um, even though Clemson great against uh, Boston College when he was or not great against Notre Dame, or I mean, not bad against Notre Dame, he still put up 40 points with DJ Uyangalele. Uh, but like that, you just saw like sort of the drop off in play. I don't think they would have fell behind against Boston College as bad as they did with uh trevor lawrence at quarterback and uh, i think just going down the rankings as well i think as well i'm gonna go with um someone kind of obscure i'm gonna go with malik willis because of all the things he did for that team um i'd have to say malik willis was very valuable in the type of stuff they did and how electric he made that offense for uh, liberty and uh, you can just see it in the cure bowl so i mean th- those are like my two guys lawrence and willis yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. I was gonna say Lawrence. Um, I think he's probably the top guy. I think you could even put Zach Wilson in there, honestly, just with the year he's had. And then Brees Hall, I think, has to be at, at worst in the top three. How valuable he's been to Iowa State and setting up that play action pass and all that uh, for Brock Purdy. I, I think he's. I think he would be up there too for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough question, like, thinking about it. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, the whole scope of college football. I think even maybe a guy like Jarrett Patterson. But that's, that argument's kind of kind of down a bit because, I mean, they, they beat Marshall. They beat a solid Marshall in the Camellia Bowl with, uh, with a solid back. And Kevin Marks Jr. at 138 yards and also was averaging 100 yards per game himself for Buffalo. So, I mean, I don't think you can even go Jarrett Patterson.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe for just the regular season, Jared Patterson. And if you take that hindsight out of them beating Marshall, I think you can make that argument. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. It is two very different questions. I think people confuse best and most valuable. And, and uh, you know, that you see that confusion a lot in the NFL MVP award. I feel like it goes to the best player when a lot of times. Uh, you know, if it doesn't – if it was – MVP, literally, you know, Derek Henry would win it, I think in a landslide, but you know, two different questions, and I'd love to see that uh, discussion more for college too,
0: but yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that concludes uh, what we have to say, really. I mean, we went through each uh, finalist, uh, each, each vote getter, some extra as well, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens tomorrow night. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for sure. It'll be different. Um, it's kind of kind of funny uh, not seeing the Army or not seeing the Heisman presentation um, right after the Army Navy game. But uh, I mean, this year's been a different year.
1: Yeah, it's been a very different year, and uh, I'm excited to see who wins. Hopefully, it's not literally through Zoom. Hopefully, ESPN sent like four cameras out just so we can we can see and hear everyone a little bit better. So it's going to be different than any other year. But uh, you know, maybe in more ways than one, if a wide receiver gets uh, gets the Heisman.
0: Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Uh, I'm excited. And, um, until next time, uh, we have a couple of episodes lined up, uh, picking both, picking all bowl teams draft style and, uh, you know, explaining that might take a while too. So we'll, we'll sort that one out. And also uh, a little bit down the road, we'll talk some FCS guys, uh, and you guys might think we're crazy, but uh, I think some FCS, FCS guys in this crazy year had an argument to get some Heisman votes, not to win it, to get some Heisman votes, but, uh, until next time, uh, I'm I'm Omar, and um, you know, uh, Jacks. Do you have any final words? All right. So yeah. next time, uh, peace, love, and soul, everyone.